On the show today, I've got Charlie Cook. Now, if you don't know who Charlie Cook is, you're going to know him really soon. He's got an amazing show called Riding Shotgun with Charlie. And his show is like no other show out there. Because he does his interviews in the car. That person is in the car with him as he's driving. And it's really, really a great concept. Now, before we talk to Charlie, I need to pay the bills. And the work that I do can't happen without your support. And the greatest thing is, is that your support will cost you no more than a couple of extra minutes when you go shopping online. Go to my website, www. That TRB.FYI, up in the top, you'll see a link for partners. When you go to that page, scroll down, find the partner that you're going to go shopping at, and click on that link. When you go shopping, a small portion of your purchase will come back to the channel, but it's not going to cost you any more than you were already going to spend. That's right, it's only going to cost you. Just a few extra seconds. That's all. But yet your support by clicking on those links is huge. Now with the bills paid, let's talk to Charlie. Charlie, tell me about your love of guns. Uh, my name is Charlie Cook, and I host a YouTube channel and podcast called Writing Shotgun with Charlie. I am a firearm instructor. I'm from Massachusetts, and my day job is a music teacher. But don't tell anyone because I don't want to blow my cover. <laughs> but the question is, did you go to band camp? <laughs> That's <laughs> why I became a band teacher. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> So Charlie, how did you get into firearms? So I I think I'm a late bloomer to to becoming a gun guy. I, I didn't grow up hunting or shooting. Um, I was a gun agnostic, I guess, growing up, because I, I guess I thought they were cool. Um, I had a couple I, I I cleaned up my my mother's house a couple years ago and I found the the first air it wasn't even a bb gun it was an air gun it was a gun that had a lever on it and you'd squeeze the trigger and air would poof out and it would you know move like it recoiled um but i was teaching in a public school on september 11th and um the my classroom was used for pictures that day because being the the instrumental music teacher you're at the bottom of the totem pole so they were using my picture my classroom for pictures and i watched everything unfold on on television all day long after uh, after that happened, we had a, a meeting with the principal, and he said that if anyone comes in the school that's not supposed to be here, which was code for you know an active shooter or a school shooter, uh, he said he would get on the intercom and he would say the eagle has landed. And I sat there and I'm like, uh, oh, we're, he's going to say the eagle has landed. We're supposed to shut the doors and hide under the desks. And I was like, um, so I'm in a different building, and I don't have desks, so that's not really not really going to work for me. And I remember sitting in the te teacher's room with a bunch of liberal Democrats, and I, I, I honestly wasn't really sure where I leaned politically. So um, I said, you know, if the teachers on the first floor all had guns, they could shoot the bad guy, and the teachers on the second floor can just keep on teaching, and we'll need half the grief counseling and, and you know, half of all that yeah. stuff. And they looked at me, and they're like, that's crazy. And I'm like, 
I, I don't think so. <laughs> so we had a vacation in February, and I, I went down to the police station, and um, I, I, I wanted to find out what I needed to do to get a gun license. So the process probably took, uh, I think I started it in February. I took a class. I had to go to the police station, you know, the background checks and photos and fingerprints and all that stuff. And um, by June, I had, a, I had a license to carry in Massachusetts. My license did have restrictions on it, which, which Bruin certainly eliminated. But um, I had restrictions, and, and I didn't really care because I never shot a gun before I had a gun license. Or I had a gun license and I never shot a gun. And then I remember, um, you know, I was I wasn't um, I was a card carrying NRA member. I got a magazine subscription for one of my nephews one time, and I got a hunting magazine because it was something I would never be interested in. And there weren't any music magazines I wanted, so I'm like, oh, let's get something that's, you know, I want to support my nephew, so I'll get a hunting magazine. And that put me on the mailing list for the NRA, and I'd get stuff from the NRA that says, it didn't say this exactly, but it basically said, let's give Ted Kennedy the finger. And, <laughs> and I said, I want to give Ted Kennedy the finger. So, so I well, became an NRA member, you know? And, that, and that's, a, that's a special meeting for you up in Massachusetts, too. Uh, exactly. <laughs> Do you know how fast he had to be going to get her panties in the glove box? I mean, really? <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I, I was an NRA member before I had a gun license, before I took a gun safety class, before I fired a firearm. And I remember talking to my mom after I had a gun license. I'm like, hey, this, this gun stuff is kind of cool. I think I want to get into this. And, and my, my father died when I was a young boy. And my mother said, well, why don't you come out to the Midwest and get your dad's guns if, you, if you're, you know, you're going to go shooting? And I'm like, well, that's a great question. So, so I loaded up the family. <laughs> The wife and kids, the kids were, my kids were under two, uh, under three, I had two kids under three, drove out to the Midwest, picked up a couple shotguns, picked up a couple handguns in Illinois, drove them back to Massachusetts, probably isn't, I don't know if the statute of limitations has passed, but it, these were my, my firearms. So, um, you know, I could go back to the Midwest and get them. And I, I joined a, a local shooting club and, and got up and going. And um, that's just kind of, kind of how things took off from there. But it's so funny because you took him from Chicago to outside of Boston. Yeah. Um, which, I, I, which way is worse? Uh, <laughs> going right. to West, which, which way is worse? Uh, I, did. I, think, I think you took him the right direction. Uh, probably. Probably. It's, right. it's, it's, right. it's, it's not right. It's less bad. Yeah, less bad. <laughs> it's, a, it's a less crappy of two solutions there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> And I, you know, I wasn't a gun guy. I, I, I had friends that were hunters and, and, um, you know, and, and carried shotguns in the back of their car and went deer hunting and, you know, did all that sort of stuff. Uh, but it wasn't, wasn't anything that interested me when I was, when I was young. It's funny because, so I grew up just outside of Philly. Uh, mm -hmm. When I was a kid, we went out hunting up in the Poconos and stuff like that. So I just, we just, I grew up with guns. And I remember my dad talking about when he was a kid growing up in Philly, that he remembers people walking onto a septa bus with their rifle and they would just take the bolt out of the rifle they walk <laughs> in pay money and then like take the bus to where just like dead ends and uh, you know out in the field and oh that's where they're they shooting then they take a bus home with their gun <laughs> and i'm just like it, it, it's it's funny i was thinking about that it's just 
it just would never happen today, right? Oh my God, it would never happen. The kid would get arrested. He'd go to jail. They'd confiscate the gun. He'd have a. Yeah. He'd take the bolt out of the bolt action rifle, and it's an AR. Or yeah, a exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just it's just funny to think about those different times and different places that you know. I I, I knew I grew up in a pretty unrestricted area, but um, you know I grew. <laughs> Being on the East Coast most of my life, I saw a lot of the stuff. You know, I, I grew up in, just outside of Philly. We moved to, uh, I lived in Maryland, just outside D.C. for a year. Lived in Delaware for a while. Lived in Northern Maryland, back to Delaware, to Montana. <laughs> it's just like, I, I saw a lot of the stuff closing in, and then, well, we escaped. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, anyways, it's, it's just funny. It's always fun to hear people how they grew up and especially, you know, we think of in the firearms industry and even some of the people on that are anti-gun just think that people are just born with a gun in their hand. And that's not the truth. Um, it's, it's really not are, like, uh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I just, people, people, you know, come into this journey later in life. Some of us come in earlier. Mm. I, I have some, some, uh, I call them my surrogate family. Um, it's these people I rented a room from when I moved back to Massachusetts in 1994. And I became good friends with them. And I, I, I traveled to Europe with them one summer. And um, I went to two of their, they have three daughters. I went to two of the daughters' weddings. The band I played in played at one of their daughters' weddings. So, you know, I, I call them my surrogate family. And after I became a gun guy, the, one of the daughters called me up and she's like, we can't, we can't believe that you're a gun guy because, like, they all have beards like the Duck Dynasty guys. <laughs> <laughs> and we knew you before you were a gun guy, so we know that's not true with you. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, you, I really wanted to say, you sound like a bigot. You really, yeah. you're judging yeah. somebody by something that they do? Uh, yeah. Well, it, and it's funny how that happens, because it's, you know, we're not supposed to judge people and stuff like that, right? I mean, we're supposed to just stand on our own merits, but that's what happens. I mean, people just mm -hmm. get into these things of, you know, this is what a gun person should look like. And they have no right. idea that, you know, the person next to them is carrying a gun. They have no idea. And that's the whole idea of concealed carry is you don't know it's there. Right. Um, I did, uh, you know, after after I got into it, um, you know, whatever, after I got into it for a while here, uh, just a couple of years ago, I was out and I was driving through one of the little towns next to me. And there were like four people outside with anti, you know, anti-gun signs. I don't know who they were protesting because there's there's probably less than 3,000 people in the whole town and I'm being generous, you know? <laughs> so there's not a lot of people there and there's there's like a convenience store and a gas station and a pizza place and that's the whole downtown area. And and I'm like, I don't know what they're doing, but I'm going to go to the convenience store. It's, it's a hot day in July. I'm going to get them some water. And so I, I brought him some water. So I'm like, hey, you know, here's some water. I said, you guys look like it's hot out here. You guys are out here protesting and you got your signs and everything. So what is it you're protesting? And they're like, oh, these ARs, you shouldn't have these sorts of weapons. And and I talked to them and everything. And then when I before I left, I said, hey, I just want you to know that um, I'm uh, I'm a pro-gun guy and uh, I've got a couple ARs and I've got a number of handguns and some shotguns. And I just I just wanted to give you guys some water. You know, it's you guys are working hard out here. And they were just like, oh, yeah, it blew their mind. Yeah, absolutely. I just look. We're not. We're not all what you think we are. Um, we're we're good people. So now you have the podcast, the the Riding Shotgun with Charlie. Mm -hmm. 
how did you decide to become a podcaster? Talk, talk to me about that journey. So, uh, so my journey was this: as a, as a guy that's a teacher, I um, I'm one of these guys that I as soon as I learn something, I think I can teach it to other people. And and I I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I know it solidifies my skills in the stuff that I'm doing. So after I became a gun guy, I I started to volunteer some time with the state's pro gun group, which is called the Gun Owners Action League, and they have these things called Firearm Safety Education Day. So I, I became friends with the director of education, and he would call me up and say, "Hey, listen, we're having an event. You know, we're having an NF set, is what they call it. And um, you know, would you be interested in coming down and and teaching people how to shoot a handgun?" Um, yeah, sure. It sounds cool. So I did this for a couple of years and, and I became a range safety officer because I used to run bowling pin shoots. Then I, uh, then he said to me, he says, Hey, you should, you should become an instructor. And I'm like, well, what do I have to do to become a gun instructor? So he's like, oh, you take this class and, you know, take the NRA. Um, at the time it was, you could, uh, you could take the NRA basic pistol class and you could teach basic pistol and home firearm safety. And I'm like, all right, cool. That's, you know, okay. Like that's, that sounds cool. Um, after a couple of years of being an instructor, uh, podcast became became the thing to do, and i I wanted to do, I wanted to do, I, I call myself personal shooting instruction. So that when I when I teach gun classes, so I wanted to do the personal shooting instruction podcast, and I knew nothing, absolutely <laughs> nothing. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm trying to like, I downloaded, um, oh god, what is it that begins with the A that everyone uses? The free software, Audacity. Oh, uh, I Audacity, yeah. I downloaded Audacity and I'm like trying to record stuff. I got this headphones. I'm going around my apartment, putting blankets over my head, trying to get little, you know, get rid of a bunch of sound and everything. And I had no idea what I was going to talk about. I recorded one episode talking about my history. And then I have no, like I had a little thumbnail that I got through Fiverr and, and I'm like, Oh, this is going to be great. And I'm like, I, I don't, I don't know what to do. And this is a lot of work, so I'm not going to do it. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> um, but uh, writing shotgun, writing shotgun came about after um, I was in Toastmasters for for a number of years, and I did this project. I did this manual called Communicating on Video, and in that we had to interview someone, uh, be interviewed by someone. We had to do an editorial, we had to make, uh, do a press conference, and we had to do a little video teaching people how to uh, how to do speeches. So. I, I did that and, and I did that manual and, you know, got the little certificate or whatever. And then I said, hey, you know what? I, I was teaching gun classes more. Uh, I was teaching at a shooting school. And honestly, um, the, the entrepreneur-ish sort of thing kicked in when I would, I would teach a class for, for 20 people. Everybody paid 100 bucks, And I'm like, I brought in $2,000 for the boss. And I'm up here singing and dancing and doing the, you know, teaching the class, <laughs> you know. And I'm like. You know the work. Yeah, and he pays me 150 bucks to teach a four-hour class, and I brought in. He's keeping 1,850 dollars, and he's not even here. Yeah. So I started teaching classes on my own, and and I started to, you know I started to get more into firearms, and I got more certification to teach more classes and the Utah class and stuff, and and um, I was doing the. Um, it was right when I did, was doing the communicating on video manual. I started watching the carpool karaoke with James Corden. Yeah, yeah. And and I'm like, you know, he's a chubby guy and he's he's English and 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 I'm a chubby guy and I speak English. <laughs> uh, 
I, I think I can do this. Like, it doesn't look that tough. He sits in a car and he drives around talking to rock stars. And he's like, oh, let me buy you a coffee. Do you mind if I put the radio on? And he, you know, he's got Stevie Wonder in the car and he plays Stevie Wonder songs and they sing and, and you know, bop around in the car. I'm like, that's, that's an easy gig. I can do this. So, so I, I was sitting with some Toastmaster friends of mine. I said, I'm going to start a show and I'm going to call it Writing Shotgun because I'm going to be driving and I'm going to have someone in the passenger seat and we're going to talk about gun stuff. And I found out writingshotgun.com was, was taken. So I'm like, I'm calling it Writing Shotgun with Charlie because I'm the guy that's doing all the work. <laughs> and and that's that's how it was born. And I didn't know... Um, I'm I'm very lucky, very lucky guy. Uh, I didn't know where it could take me or lead me or or anything. I found some local gun instructors. I found um, some my my mentor. I interviewed him. I've interviewed um, one of the musicians I used to play in a band with, and a couple of local people. And and that's that's kind of how things got kicked off and got started. Well, it's funny is going through the info tab on your your YouTube. It says that riding and shopping with Charlie isn't really about firearms. I mean, yes, there's some talk about firearms, but it, your podcast is more of let's talk. Yeah. You know, this is about the person and, and their journey and stuff like that. Um, why, why did you choose that? What? So I, I, I live in occupied territory. Yes. I live in Massachusetts. Um, I have, I have a limited income. Um, going to, this is what I always compare it to. Going to a gun show is like very much like going to a strip joint. There's lots of things I'd like to put my hands on and nothing I'm going home with. <laughs> so I would get all these magazines from the NRA and I'm like, oh, there's a gun I can't afford. Oh, there's a gun I can't own. Oh, I can't get that in Massachusetts. So I'm like, I, this, I'm, I'm not a gear guy. Um, I think this is really bad. I think the sights on, on my Glock, which is not my carry gun, but I think the sights on my Glock were Trigicon, and I think the Trigicon, I think like the green lights have, have expired. Yeah. Right. I, they've died, and I'm like, I, I don't know, should I get new ones or not? I, I don't even know. <laughs> so I'm not a gear guy is kind of what I'm coming down to. And I figured if I, you know, we all get into firearms for a multitude of reasons, and I want to let people see that that gun folks are you and I, and maybe we grew up with it, maybe we didn't, maybe we had an incident that said, "Hey, listen, I I think I should get a gun to protect myself," or or maybe you know I you you want to you got some friends who want to go hunting, so that led you to to uh, becoming a hunter and getting firearms, and and we all have some sort of a different story about this, and that's kind of what I want to do. That's that's one of my objectives and uh, I guess mission statements for the show is to let people see that gun owners are just regular people just like everybody else just like the non-gun owners we care for our kids uh you know we love our family we care for our kids we want to be able to protect ourselves and i don't want uh, ultimately i don't want you to tell me what i need to do to protect myself because i'm not going to tell you what you should do um i think i have good ideas to protect you and you probably have good ideas for me to protect me but i'm not gonna like i'm not gonna force it on anybody but i want them to know that you know what we're we're regular people and we're funny and we can have fun and poke fun at ourselves and we're just we're just folks man we're just folks yeah it's funny because you know for me when i started my channel uh almost five years ago you know my whole idea of the channel was is the everyday person right how how do people do things it originally started just assembling reassembly but through the ad apocalypse and stuff like that through youtube i had to diversify but even then it's like 
you're not going to see me running around kitted up with an AR hanging across a sling. That's just not, that's not me. Uh, I'm not the tactical person and all that stuff. And I, I agree with you about that whole thing about the journey. And I mean, you heard me ask you about your journey because those are things that interest me because I have, you know, different people with different points of view. Um, the podcast released today was Robin Sandoval, which I, I know you know very well. I, Robin is awesome. She's a great gal. She has an amazing story about how she came to firearms. Mm. Um, I mean, she's she was an anti-gunner. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and then when something bad happened, she realized she, she needs realized. to be able to protect her family. <laughs> so, so, and that's why I love, uh, you know, that's why I, I love channels like yours because I, I'm a, trust me, I'm a big fan. I'm going to fanboy here for a second. Um, <laughs> I I love I love your show because it's just. It's just a down-to-earth show, and everybody's kind of have fun. It's so funny because you know you're driving, you're like literally driving the car, <laughs> and, and it's so funny because I can see you're editing every once in a while. Like you'll say something, and then like the, the person sitting, you know, the person riding shotgun will, <laughs> will, will, will have like a weird face for a second there, and it, it's great because it's just all natural, right? right. I mean, it's just. It, it's a conversation between a couple of people. But the one question I have is, what's the most amount of people you've ever had in your car at one time? So the record is five, and I've done it twice. <laughs> I um, I went down to Florida Carry. Uh, Florida Carry had a speaker event in February of 2021. And... A lot of people that were going to be there are people that I've had on the show. So I'm like, you know what? I'm bringing all the cameras. I'm bringing all the suction cups I've got. I'm bringing all the microphones. And I'm going to, I want to do a little clown car video. So there's a couple things I did, right? I did, I did one where I set the camera up and I had all these people and I'm like, you get in the car and you get out of the car and you get in the car and you get out of the car and, you know, do something when you're getting in or do something when you're getting out. And I took that video and it's, I, I put it on, um, I think I put it on the writing shotgun page. Um, but it's just, it's, it's Rick Dector and Cheryl Todd and Danny Todd and Dan Wass and, um, uh, Gina Roberts and Shirley Wattrell and, uh, Amy Dillon and, uh, Amanda Suffolk and I, I forgive me if there's anyone else but I had them all get in the car and then get out of the car and then I edited the snot out of it so it looked like everybody got in and then oh John, John Adine was another one and then everybody got out one at a time you know and I played like the um, the Benny Hill music yeah and then I played the um, the circus music too you know which is kind of Benny Hillish anyway oh absolutely absolutely <laughs> but um, so what I decided to do is I'm I'm like I'm gonna um, I'm gonna get a rental car and I'm gonna see how many people we can put in the car and it was me uh, I was driving John Petrolino was in the passenger seat in the back I had Daryl and Shanny uh, Daryl and Shanny Dar Cheryl, oh my gosh, Cheryl and Danny Todd and Patrick Collins from the Gun Food, and uh, Cheryl and Danny are from Gun Freedom Radio, and John Petrolino uh, is the Pen Patriot, and and we had Amy Dillon lay across their lap in the back seat. <laughs> so, so I had a camera. I had cameras in the front. I had cameras in the window. I had one camera coming down from the mirror. And then after we did that, I, I filmed them for about a half hour, and then. Uh, I went back and then I got five more people. I got um, Kevin Sona. I think his wife 
um, uh, the people that hosted the event. Uh, his name was Stephen. Um, we got Stephen. We got a lady that makes uh, that makes a carry uh, essentially makes carry purses. I forget what it was, but but uh, we did the same thing. And I got to tell you, editing video with with five cameras. Holy moly, man! <laughs> Like zooming in on stuff, and and it was it was a little bit of a nightmare. But the record is five, and I've done it twice. <laughs> it's funny because I I know I know about dealing with five cameras. Uh, when I go to the range to do filming, um, I will actually have five cameras running. There's usually three angles I'll use. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have tripods, like one here, one here, one behind me. Um, there's another camera that's pointing up a little bit, so you get a little bit of a, I, I call it the up-to-nose shot, right? Sure. <laughs> uh, sure. And then, um, so I have a Part 107 uh, drone pilot license. So that means oh, I can wow. I can, I can monetize drone footage. So that's camera five. And when I get home, and I'm trying to, to link all those videos up, mm. it... <laughs> It's, it's it's a lot of fun. So I I know what you're talking about with five cameras is tough to edit that stuff through. It it is, and I um I don't I so so when I started to learn how to edit video, I uh, I say this in jest. I really felt like a terrorist because I just like I want to learn how to fly the plane. I don't want to learn anything else. Like yeah. I want to know how I can put three cameras together and get good audio from both people. And then I just, I go through and I, I cut it up into segments and, you know, there's a segment where the other person is talking. So I, I focus the camera on them and I delete the other two video tracks. And then, you know, I'll, they talk for another 28 seconds and um, I use the camera that's in the middle. And then I ask them some question and I put the camera on me and then I go back to the camera in the middle and it's just, I, I had no a lot idea. of work. It, it is a lot of work. Oh, my God. Um, the first time I did one, I did, I think it was probably a half hour, and it took me, I don't know, seven or eight hours to edit. edit. Yeah. And I didn't, like, I didn't know how to synchronize the video together, and that was something, something I'm like, I talked to someone else. I'm like, how do you, how do you time everything up? So, you know, and they're like, oh, there's the synchronize button. I'm like, that really makes life easier. <laughs> and I yeah, did this. I did a um I did one of these Udemy classes on on editing video and I I I get through like an hour and a half of it I'm like all right I can't, I can't take this like this guy's boring and and <laughs> I I can't do it so it's funny because when I first started doing because I especially in my disassembling reassembly I'll have different camera angles and then I'll also bring in still photos because that's one thing that drove me mm. nuts about about disassembling reassembly videos is that. You know, someone's like, okay, we're going to put this here in the gun. And then the lighting is crappy. The camera is like from outer space. Um, <laughs> right. And you can't see. You can't see what they did. They just, and suddenly, okay, now we do this. It's like, well, what did you do? And, you know, <laughs> right. so, I, so I, I started. Yeah. And it's like, so I started doing, you know, the videos where I'm cutting and, you know, basically cutting and pasting videos in and out. And I got to bring in. Oh, and then man. I learned how to do. Um, I mean, basically, we we learn how to do nonlinear editing, where you have the multiple tracks synced up, and then I'm like, oh, you mean I can sync these things up, and then I can just go, oh, cut camera one, cut camera two, and it's just like, oh, that's so much it's easier. It's so much easier. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's it it really is. I mean, it still takes a lot of time to put stuff together, but man, it makes it so much easier. I was 
I was going through and like, okay, I'm going to, I've got, I only had camera one and camera two at the time. And I'm like, okay, I've got camera one and I ask a question and then I've got to go to the camera two video and, you know, find that timeline and, and like yeah. kind of cut that close. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know how people do this, but this is impossible. Yeah. And yeah, you go through that whole thing of this is just not worth the time. It's and then, right. And then you start going, I, I know I got a good idea here, but, and then you start working through your workflow. I, I, I get it because um, I, I run lots of camera angles and it's just one of those things. Like I have a video that I'm editing now that camera one was actually out of focus and I didn't know it. Oh, right. Yeah. And I'm, I'm talking to camera one. <laughs> and I'm like, so I, so I get back and I'm like, well, crap, what am I going to do now? Like, well, I guess it's a good thing <laughs> four other angles, right? Oh, my gosh. I... So, so it starts off where, you know, I'm talking, it was talking about, actually, it was talking about this holster right here. Um, and I'm like, so, like, how am I going to do this? So I, you know, I had all my tracks synchronized. I'm like, well, I'm just going to run video off of the other camera angles. But everybody's going to think it's going to be weird because, well, people on the audio side are going to see, but, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to you about this holster right here, right? Right. You're never. I'm not talking to the camera. So, so like the first minute of the video that I'm putting together, I actually have a picture in picture of camera one where it's out of focus, but it's in sync. Oh my gosh! Right, and I and I just put up there. Camera one was out of focus. Or this the yeah, main camera was out of focus the entire video. Oh so, my so, gosh! So when people understand why why I'm not looking at the camera. But yeah, it's it's, it's fun when you start editing stuff. These these things happen, and and the unfortunate thing is you don't know this until you go no. back and watch the video. You know, yeah. um, I'm I'm sure I'm I'm a one man team just like you are. I'm sure. Yeah. So I I did a uh, I did a interviewed Mark Walters from Armed American Radio, and um, Mark was actually the guy that invited me into the club of of gun folks. Um, so I, I interviewed him a couple years ago, and we were down at his house in Atlanta. And so I said, here's, I, you know, push uh, the cameras on. You just push the button on the top to, to, to turn it on. So it'll start recording. And he pushes it like this. Oh, well. and it, it went from, he was in the shot like this to this. So I had uh. this and I'm like, I have two cameras and Mark's mouth. <laughs> <sighs> so. I'm like, okay, so I'm going to do this. You know, there's the picture of me and him, and then I'm going to have to zoom in on him, and then I'm going <laughs> to, like, everything Everything was with that middle camera and the camera that was on me. So when he was talking, I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, get a shot from him coming coming from his, uh, you know, the camera that was just on him. So, uh, and then I did another show. Um, I interviewed Stephanie Widener from Active Self-Protection. I interviewed her in uh, Sioux Falls a couple years, uh, last year, and I didn't know this, but the camera was smudged. And I'm oh. like, it's, it's smudged a little bit, but not a lot of bit. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I know that I could do this, but is it enough for people to actually like worry about? So I'm like, you know what? It's not horrible. You can still, you can still see everything and it's, it's just got a little bit of schmutz on it, you know? <laughs> like, it's, for, it's, go with it. It's funny because people don't realize, you know, they, they listen to podcasts, like, and that's the whole thing is if they listen to an audio only, they'll never know. Um, and then, you know, but, you know, the people who watch the videos, 
they have no idea what goes on on the backside to oh my, edit this stuff up. It, it's it's a lot of work. It is. And, it, uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, my first video was a. I mean, it was a thirty minute video, and it was it was long, um, even by. My standards now, I would never produce that video, not the way I did, but, you know, I was learning. And I think, out uh, of that 30-minute video, I think I have 16 hours of editing into that video. Man. And I'm sitting there going, yeah, you know, that's what I said, you know, is it worth it, right? Just, I'm just like, I know I got a good idea, it's just, man, I don't, this, this has got to, I got to learn how to speed this thing up. Uh, <laughs> right. Fortunately, I, I can do it now because you know, like you, like you found out about the whole sync video thing. That's like that's a godsend. Oh, it, it really is. I um I spoke at um uh, AmCon, which is the Alternative Multimedia Conference, at um in 2019 in Phoenix, and I did a, a speech. Um, oh, it, I forget what I called it, but it basically uh, what it was is I oh it was called getting getting through hurdles in new platforms. And so what I did that summer is I went out and I learned how to ride a motorcycle and I learned how to do stand-up comedy. And the basic premise on both of these is that when you're a beginner, I don't care how good it is, it's going to suck yeah. because you're going to learn from your mistakes. And I put up this picture of um, when I was riding the motorcycle, I remember I was with my buddy the first time and I, I've been scared to death and, and you know, I'm nervous and, and I'm, I finally got to the point where I could go fast enough that the motorcycle, you know, I could balance the motorcycle and I could stay up without falling over. And I'm, I'm like, man, I feel badass. Like, I feel like Kid Rock. And I'm driving a 1972 Honda. I got on a, you know, a pair of jeans and a t-shirt and a big helmet. And I'm like, I must look so badass right now. And then my, my friend's granddaughter went zipping by me. And I'm like, yeah, nope. I'm still Charlie Cook. <laughs> That's like the uh, was it the uh, the opening scene, the Office Space, where he's trying to cut through the traffic to get farther, and mm -hmm. like the old person with the walker is like passing them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You're like, this is awesome. In the, in the background, there's like somebody like walking by with a walker. That's oh my god! <laughs> I, it was like it really like riding a motorcycle to me was it was like a new level of freedom. I'm like, it's me and the wind, and I'm. Mm, oh, this is badass. <laughs> like eight years old, flying right by me. I'm like, oh, jeez. You're the wind at 25 miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh, it was it was pretty pathetic, but it it, it it was a great feeling. You know, it was a really good feeling. And and the same thing with stand up comedy. Like I, I went out that summer, um, trying to go trying to go a couple times a month to go out and do stand up and. Sometimes, you know, you, you tell stories, you talk with your friends, you get all this great laughter, and then you go out in front of people and you're like, nobody responds, like, nobody yeah. laughs, like, holy crap, man, I got four hours and f four, or four minutes and 40 seconds left, oh my <laughs> god, <laughs> this is horrible, what am I going to do? That's the, that, so, I mean, like earlier you said, you're on Toastmasters, um, I went through Toastmasters as well, that's like... Yeah, the icebreaker speech. It's a short speech, oh but your yeah. first speech, you swear that you are up there for an hour giving that uh, speech. It's 
it's I, I grabbed onto the lectern I, and one of the guys actually wrote to me on the comments on the uh, after the speech he's like you know you can stop and take a breath once in a while <laughs> I'm just like <laughs> See, see, for me, when I went into Toastmasters, I had already started doing um, uh, speeches. You know, I was sp speaking at some conferences. And stuff, so I at least, I learned on stage in front of a live audience. Mm -hmm. And you, I, my wife's like, I don't even know how you did it the first time. Yet when you keep going back. Right. Uh, right. So, so when I went, when I went to Toastmasters in my, my first speech, I, it, it's the icebreaker. It's a short speech. I had memorized it because, well, that's what I do with my speeches. Sure. And I had, uh, I, you know, I start going through this thing and I'm, I start adding, um, so, you know, some fun parts to it because that's what I did during my, uh, during my speeches up on stage because like we were talking offline, I always got like the one o'clock spot. So it's like right after they had lunch, they're tired. They don't want to be there to listen to yet another technical speech. Right. Um, carp dump is hitting them. They're falling asleep. So, you know, I, you, you learn in that spot to be kind of funny. Mm. So I, I remember giving that speech. And then I remember people, they were just laughing. They were just having a good time during that speech. And I remember uh, one of the officers at club, I remember her looking at someone going, and this is an icebreaker. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, so yeah, I finished up. I finished up going. Oh, that's just a normal speech for me. I didn't know this was like, you know, I didn't know I didn't have to memorize this thing. Right. Seven and a half minutes into a four minute speech, people start looking at their watch. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. We, we have, um, you know, we do the cards, the red, the green, the red, uh, yep. the green, yellow, and the red cards. And, and we have, uh, for our, we do those for the speech contest, but for our own speeches, we have numbered cards, one minute, two minute, three minutes. So fi somebody finally puts, just puts the sign up that says stop. It just <laughs> stop, stop talking. So, so I had, uh, we had a light. Uh, we had three lights. It was a home built thing with three switches, right? Yeah. Um, but I cheated. I, I'll, I'll admit I, I cheated during my speeches because, you know, you know how long your speech is supposed, supposed to be. You're supposed to know, you know, all your lights and stuff like that. What I had done is I had programmed my Fitbit. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sitting there, I'm up there giving a speech and then, you know, it would buzz and I would, I, I wouldn't even, you know, I don't, I don't even see the light. I'm just looking at the audience, talking to the audience. I would never even look at the light and I knew my timings. Because I did the exact same thing on stage, and it was it was funny because everybody's like, you know, they come in and give you the five minute warning on you know, on stage, and I'm already wrapping up, <laughs> you know, and they're, they're and I just learned that trick. But yeah, I, I would cheat so that way I didn't have. To. I had one last thing. I just knew that there was three vibrations, um, or actually it was four. So that I knew that I was done. Um, but yeah, it's funny all the, the stories of other Toastmasters. It, it cracks me up. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's, it's, it was a lot of fun. I, I, I look back, um, you know, it's been probably eight years or so. And, and the years that I, the, the time that I put into that, I, I was going every week. Um, I was, wasn't doing a speech every week, but I got up and spoke every week, you know, whether it was for table topics or something, but it was, it literally was repetitions and just getting up and doing a speech and getting up and doing a speech. And, and I would, I would come home and I would practice gestures and I, you know, put my music stand with my speech on it and try to slowly, you know, uh, pull my notes over and 
it was it was all that stuff and i i i really look at that as as giving me a, a foundation for you know for having the opportunity to do things like this and not sounding like a complete buffoon <laughs> well it's it's funny um so you say you talked about getting up and giving your speech my club met at 7 a.m oh my god <laughs> I went. it's 7 a.m at fort harrison here in helena so we had to go through security to get onto onto the onto the fort too. Mm. Uh, it was, but yeah, it was it was a. It, it, that's when you really need a club that's fun, because it's seven o'clock oh, yeah. in the morning, people getting up and giving speeches. Um, it's somebody. Yeah. Somebody had a genius idea one day of doing. It was for we had a meeting on April first, so April Fools. Mm -hmm. So somebody had a genius idea of let's do a backwards meeting oh no <laughs> right and it was so hard because you know at the end you get you get the you know people saying well i like when you said this well you have to write that down because you got to work it into your speech <laughs> right. people, are, people are setting you up right for they're, your they're, speech you've already written your speech You've already written it, and now you got to work new, new content. <laughs> right. They, they've done an evaluation on the speech that you have not given. Give yet. <laughs> oh, that's great. So, so that's, where you, that's where you learn how to really break out of the mold when you start doing that. And doing that at 7 a.m., you need oh. to have a club that's super fun to, to be with. You really need to – you really want to be with those people to do Absolute. that. Absolutely. So, well, anyways um, – so back back to your show. Now that we've talked for like fifteen minutes about Toastmasters. <laughs> <laughs> your goal is to film in every state. You want to do an interview in every state. How many yeah. states do you have left? So I have been. Um, I, I've uh, I recently came back from the San Diego County Gun Owners Gun Prom, and I filmed five shows when I was in California, and California was state number thirty-one. I've got five five states east of the Mississippi that I haven't been to, and then uh, I guess fourteen states west of the Mississippi that I haven't been to. Uh, and that's, yeah, that's you, yeah, you're going around. It's, Alaska and Hawaii is going to be a rough one for you. It is, but I, I've got. I know. Um, like I'm friends with uh, the DC Project gal that's in Hawaii, so I know if I get to Hawaii, I can interview somebody. Um, I don't know. I, I know someone. I know of someone that's in uh, Alaska. So I'm like, oh, how do I get Sarah Palin in the show? You know. <laughs> well, I just want to see you drive across an ocean to uh, Hawaii. <laughs> that would that would be awesome, wouldn't it? You, you'd have to go really fast to make sure you have a lot of gas. I'd go really. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, that would that would be a lot of fun, man. That would be a lot of fun. It'd be it'd be an awesome video, though, right? It would be. I one of the things that I didn't do, uh, you know, like I said, when you when you first start your doesn't matter when you first start anything, no matter how good it is, it's still gonna suck. Um, I realized that I should get a camera to put on the hood of my car to see where we're driving because sometimes, you know, something comes out and I was in Pennsylvania interviewing uh, Sarah Albrecht from Hold My Guns and she lives in, um, she lives in Amish country. So we're, yeah. we're driving and there's a couple of, a couple of horse and buggies with the Amish. Right. And I'm like, that was a really cool idea, you know? And uh, so that was probably something I did. 
I don't know, after a year, year and a half of, uh, of doing shows, I, I started to put the dash cam on or the hood cam. But it's so funny where you come up with, it, it, you get that idea. It's like, why was it not there, you know, to begin with? You, you, why did I not see that one coming? And that's because you have everything else going on that you're trying to, <laughs> trying to control. There's there's a lot of plates in the air, you know, a lot of plates yeah. are trying to spin. And then, then you're like, oh, I can do this. Oh, I can do this. I know, um, again, learning how to fly the plane. I didn't know that I could zoom in on people with, yeah. with uh, the software I have. So everything was just like whatever the frame was, like whatever that's I got. It. Frame, that's it. And I'm like, wait a second. I can zoom in and I can, you know, I, I, I sort of to um, – uh, I started to do a favorite quote section where I come up with five or six things that, that the person says in the show that, that sound, you know, they're, they're intelligent and smart and, and impactful. And so what I try to do is zoom in on their face when they say those. So it's got a little bit more of an impact, you know? Yeah. You start learning that whole cinematography at that point. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. You do. I, yeah, I, I remember the day that I figured out that I can crop and zoom and do stuff like that. And my editor was like, because it's like, well, like three videos ago, I totally forgot to zoom in on something. That would have been really nice to put in. <laughs> yeah. I was I was editing episode, I think it was uh, 144. And I it was um, it was Mary Forges, who's the Connecticut uh, DC project gal. And I have a, a logo that I have in teal. So my logo is usually black with with white. And huh. I, I, had, uh, I had my logo girl. Um, make one in teal for the DC Project Girls, and so I was. Um, I had everything. You know, I set. I set everything up. I, um, I whatever. I do all the technical crap that I got to do, and then I go back and edit the show. And halfway through, I'm like, oh, you know what? I forgot to put the teal on. So I put the teal on the second half of the video, not the first half. And then it's the the night before that I'm about to do the show. I'm going through and and doing the timestamp marks, and I'm like well, why is this white? It should be teal. And then I, you know, pulled up the editing software. I'm like, oh, crap. I had to go back. I had to re-render everything. I had to re-save everything. I had to re-upload everything. And I'm like, I've done this 143 other times. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm still making mistakes. Yeah, it, it happens. Uh, I had a video, it was last week, uh, that I had, I, I had done... The, you know, I did all the editing, rendering, and all that stuff. And in the beginning of the video, it has this little thing that slides down in the bottom and has my name. Mm -hmm. So it even slides in and says Jason Scheller. So after I hit go live, and you know, I'm going to watch it. So that way I get my one, you know, the first view. And I hit play, and the thing slides in, and it just goes, Jack. I'm like, how did I miss that? I've done this so many times. How did I miss it? It just says Jay. <laughs> like, oh well, I guess I guess I'm Jay that day. <laughs> so I'm I'm good friends with John Petrolino, and I hear when I screw something up, I hear John Petrolino on my shoulder say, "You're a professional, Charlie. You need to go back and fix it." I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, so it's funny because I had I had John on. Uh, a few months ago, and what was so funny is that I'm talking to John, and his internet cuts out, and then uh, he comes back on, right? And then 
he's like, okay, this, how's this look? How does everything, you know, is everything look, you know, appropriate? And then I had a real smart ass comment that I said that I won't say on air. And then all of a sudden I look, he, he looks at something in the room. He goes, he just said, and it's repeating. I'm like, oh crap, somebody's in the room with him. I have no idea who's in the room, right? <laughs> Oh, oh, oh well, you know it's it, it's a little different when I'm being a smart ass just to the person right there, especially when it's on right, the camera, right? Yeah. And then uh, and then it was so funny because you know afterwards we're, we're we're chatting afterwards. He goes, "Well, have you talked to Charlie yet?" I'm like, "No, no, no, I haven't talked to Charlie." He's, you know, I got to go. Through. He goes, "Well, guess what? He's here." And I'm like, <laughs> "What do you mean he's here?" He goes, "Oh yeah, he's crashing on my couch over there." And I'm like, "Oh." Oh, oh, and Charlie totally heard this real smart-ass comment. That's the other guy. Oh, man. John, John's become a really good friend of mine over the last couple of years. He, um, uh, he set me up with somebody in Massachusetts, uh, an instructor that wrote a book, and John, John worked on his book and stuff. And then John's like, hey, um, I want to um, – he, he helped me do you know change my logo around so I could put them on T-shirts. And then – I didn't do anything with that. And then finally he's like, listen, um, I did this logo stuff for you, for your t-shirts so you can print them. I want to buy a t-shirt with your logo on it. <laughs> so he's like, I really, this is why I'm doing all this. And I wasn't picking up on it. And then, then he finally says, listen, when are you coming down to New Jersey? Because you know, my work brings me home for a month and I'm out of town for a month and I'm going to be home. I, I'd like to be on the show sometime. And I'm like, Oh, okay. And, and I went down to his house and, and we, we got along great. And, and, He's just, uh, he's just a great guy. guy. He, he is. really is. He really is. Yeah. I, I met him because uh, he asked, he had written, uh, written, wow, that was good English. Uh, he, had, <laughs> he had written a book, um, Decoding you know, Firearms. Yeah. And uh, so I, he reached out to me. He's like, hey, would you like to, you know, read this book? And, you know, I wrote this book. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Yeah, because he, you know, I was doing the disassembly, reassembly stuff, and his book is kind of like that, with only on steroids. And uh, so I remember that's that's how I, I met him, and he, because uh, I remember he's like, "Well, would you like a printed copy, or would you like one on Kindle?" I'm like, "Hey, whatever, whatever's cheapest for you, just you know, that's fine. I'm not going to have you send me you know a hardback signed copy." And um, personalized, <laughs> yeah, personalized, right? So, um, and that's just how I got to know him. And he's just—he's just such a down-to-earth guy. Um, yeah, he—he he really is. He really is. God, that's that's just funny that um, and that's the the whole thing was when I was trying to get him on the show, and then he's like, "Well, do you do you know Charlie?" I'm like, "I know of Charlie. I, you know, I've." I've seen the show and watch the show, and he's like, right. "You should." Get he's like, he's right. He's right over here. <laughs> Come, let me yeah. bring him over. <laughs> it's so it's so funny, man. It's uh, you know, going back going back to the writing shotgun stuff. This is what I want yeah. people to see. I want people to see that we're 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 good people. We're regular people, and we we want to help each other out. We want to see each other succeed. There's no um, maybe if there's a little bit of jealousy. The, um, People, I don't want to say people disguise it well or were two faced or anything like that, but I want to see everyone doing well. I want, you know, I want to watch shows like yours. I want to watch, uh, I want to see the videos that other people put out. I want to, I want to read the articles that other people put out because it's, um, we're, we're all regular people and we're all, we're all in this together and we're all fighting for the same thing. 
Yeah. You know, and that's the one thing that tends to drive me a little nuts about, about what we do is um, like the, one of the greatest comments was actually from um, another podcast. So it's, oh, well, actually one of my guests is we eat our own. We will get so wrapped up in ourselves and we forget that this is a community. It's like, we'll start bickering about things. And that's the sad thing is that's what people think our industry becomes. Oh, you know, it's two people, you know, it's two people fighting on a forum over, you know, what's better, two, two, three or 5.56 millimeter. It's like, it's the same thing. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, one runs a little higher pressure, the next a little different, but yeah, it's the same thing. Um, and yeah, that's where, that's what turns people off. And that's what I love about your show and, and other things. I'm the same way. I want to see the culture, right? I don't want to see the, the, the bickering. I want to see everybody get along, have a good time because that's what we do. It, uh, absolutely. I, uh, I was telling somebody, honestly, I think it might've been Clovertack one time. Uh, I was talking with him and, and I said, listen, I went, I, you know, I was a kid that wanted to be a musician. I wanted to play trombone with the rock band kiss. Like that's what I wanted yeah. to do when I was nine years old. And I didn't know that kiss didn't have a horn section, but that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to dress up in costumes and, you know, be a musician. When people talk about ballistics, I'm like, that's, that's yeah, what I'm I not, it's, it's out the yeah. Right. So, so Clover Tack said to me, he says, so that's how we get rid of you. I'm like, that is. <laughs> like when people start talking about ballistics and bullet weights and velocity, I'm, yeah. right it's funny you bring up, so it's funny you bring up Clover Tack because Clover Tack is, is, a, is a good friend of mine, him and uh, Ghost Tactical. Um, they're they're Beavis and Butthead. They literally have Beavis <laughs> and Butthead with with Clover Tack and Ghost Tactical. Yeah, um, and I I bumped with them at uh, Shot Show this year. Okay, and uh, so last night, you know, we were texting last night. That 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 was the podcast. I was <laughs> <laughs> it was it was Ghost Tactical's uh, podcast, and that yeah, was with Clover and all that. Stuff. So oh, that's it's just that's cool. Bring up Clover Tack because that's. Um, He's a, yeah, he's a great guy. He's uh, a great guy. He knows a lot of stuff, you know, and he, he puts out a ton of material. He does. A ton of content. Ton of content. God bless him, man. I think it's awesome. Well, There's it's, so, the jealousy part. I'm like, look at all the content Clover's, Clover's putting out. Well, oh, God bless him. I wish I could do it. I can't keep up. You the know? jealousy part for me, for him, is he walks out his back door and films it. Oh, my gosh. I have no <laughs> idea what that would be like. He's got, he's got a gun range. He's just that smart. Unbelievable. Now, the, the thing, like last night when I was talking to him, the thing that I'm not jealous about is his 103-degree days that he's having right now. <laughs> I'm with you on that. <laughs> so one of the things I thought was interesting was, you know, we had 2021, you know, 2020. It's, we had the cough going around. But that didn't stop your show. And that's what I thought was kind of interesting was how you handled that. So um, I, at, at first I freaked out. Um, Everybody I did. did. Yeah. I, I, I remember like wanting to, wanted to be a good little doobie. And I, I sat, I sat in my, my place. Uh, I got a main road, right. You know, I, that I can see from the, from the windows. And I saw these cars driving and I'm like, 
everyone's supposed to be locked down. We're all supposed to be under house arrest. And I felt like the kids at the beginning of the Cat in the Hat cartoon, that it's raining outside and they're just sitting at the window watching it rain and being like, oh, I wish we were outside. I felt exactly the same way. And I was like, I interview people in the car. We're going to have travel bans. We're not going to be able to leave our states. We've got the six feet thing. And I'm like, so I tried to... um, uh, what I tried to do is I tried to stay in New England. I found some people in Connecticut. I found some people up in Vermont. Um, and I tried to stay local. But I'm like, if I go someplace, I'm going to I'm gonna film a show. And I, I don't, for, for a solid two and a half years, for the, since, since the, uh, honestly, since b- before COVID, my, um, uh, b- since before COVID, anytime I would go someplace, it doesn't matter what it was for. If I was going someplace and it was going to be out of, out of New England, I was I, I looked for someone that I could interview. So I would go to I'd go to Gunrise Policy Conference and I would interview people there. And I uh, I'd go to the um, the Heller Ten and I interviewed some people there. I went to the DC Project event in uh, in 2019 and I interviewed you know someone on the way down and I interviewed some of the DC Project gals. Anytime I went someplace, I would interview someone. And it it was so bad that my um, my in January 2020 my mother passed away on a Sunday. On Tuesday, I was uh, making arrangements. I made an arrangement. I'm flying home on Thursday. I'm going back to the Midwest to do all the you know the family stuff. And I called up Rhonda Azell. I've had her on the show. I filmed her in Chicago in 2018. And I'm like, hey, I'm going to be in Chicago on Thursday morning. I land at 8 o'clock. Who can I have on the show? And she's like, well, you should reach out to Daniel Easterday. And he's uh, he's from Deerfield, and he sued the city of Deerfield to have an AR. And I said, okay, so cool. I reached out. I'm like, hi, Daniel. My name's Charlie. I got your number from um, from Rhonda. Um, here's what I am. Here's what I do. I'm going to be in town on Thursday at the airport. Can I meet you? And he's like, yeah, sure. So we worked it out. We went and had a coffee. We filmed a show. And a couple months later, I went out to, to clean up my mother's house. And I, I drove out with my daughter. Um, I drove out to Illinois. I filmed a show with uh, Don Hillier in Fort Wayne, Indiana on the way back. In July, we went to go bury my mother's ashes. I filmed a show in Milwaukee. So I, I took I took my daughter to go visit a college in Nashville, Tennessee, and I reached out to uh, to Hickok 45. And I said, Hey, I'm, I'm coming to Nashville. I'd love to hear. Here's what I am. Here's what I do. You know, I'd love to have you on the show. I know we talked about this once before. It snowed in Nashville. Like everything was shut down. Like the lady at the hotel, there's, I don't know, a two inches of snow. And the lady yeah. at the hotel is like, oh yeah, I'm stuck here for three days. I'm like, for you're what? Used to the, you're used to the racers rolling right up. And right? I'm like, three inches? We're like, why, why? Why are you stuck at the hotel for three days? And she's like, I'm not driving in that stuff. So I, I took my daughter to, to visit a college in Nashville. The college shut down. I have a picture of her and I in front of the frozen fountain. And <laughs> The, the, the college tour was shut down for all the days that we were there. I filmed a show with Hancock 45 and we went, we went home <laughs> like, like any place I went for the last two and a half years, I filmed a show, whether it's to go down and visit Petrolino. Um, if I, you know, go down to Jersey to visit John, I, uh, I did a show in Maryland with Ann Morrow, who's a, a shotgun coach in Maryland. I did a show with Frank Tate in Philly. Um, on another trip, I filmed a show with, um, uh, Heidi Bergman, uh, who's, uh, who's, uh, I think she's uh, one of the, she's in with, um, one of the Jersey groups. Um, I think it's maybe the Jersey DC project, uh, branch. Um, and I interviewed, uh, Grant Gallagher. I went down one time and interviewed the two of them. Uh, I went down for an event 
in May of last year, and I interviewed Dan Schmutter and Gabby Franco. Um, like anytime I've gone someplace, I bring the cameras and I'm like, who can I interview? So that's, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it is. You know, if I'm going someplace, I'm, I'm going to knock out some shows. Go do it. Yeah. So, so how many miles do you put on a car in a year? <laughs> so I drive a lot. <laughs> um, and at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, I sold, I had a niece, I drive a lot for my work. Like I teach at a bunch of Catholic schools. And so I probably put uh, an easy six to 700 miles on my car every week. Um, since the pandemic started, I bought a, a 2014 Dodge Charger that had 80,000 miles on it. And in, in two and a half years, I'm at 178,000 miles. Wow. So it, yeah, in two and a half years, I put 100,000 miles. And then this is like five trips to Illinois, uh, three trips down south. I did a I did a MAG-40 class in Sioux Falls last year with some of the Polite Society people, folks. And I drove out to Sioux Falls, um, you know, and, and countless trips back and forth to Jersey and stuff. So I drive a lot. <laughs> yeah, just you get a little bit of windshield time. I, <laughs> I do. And I, I swear to God, I'll call people up and they're like, hey, you know, I'm like, hey, what are you doing? They're like, uh, and they're like, yeah, I'm doing this. What are you doing? I'm like, guess. Oh, you're driving? Yeah, I'm yeah. driving. I'm driving. <laughs> Have you not seen my show? <laughs> <laughs> I know, <laughs> right? I saw some people the other day, and you know, it's these cars, they're regular cars that have student driver stickers on them. I'm like, I want to get one that says professional driver. Driver. <laughs> back up. Like, stay out of my way. <laughs> I know what I'm, I get you got the a student sticker because you don't know what you're doing. I got the professional driver sticker because I know what I'm doing. <laughs> you need, you need the, uh, the bumper sticker that was in Spaceballs. It just says, I don't stop. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Totally. Oh my God. So now other than the show, you do other two A things. Like you do speaking engagements and, and stuff like that. And we hit that around that, that a little bit earlier. Yeah, so I um, again, I'm I'm a very lucky guy. I the way I got invited into the the gun community, um, or you know, with with the cool kids, uh, is um, I I interviewed Mark Walters in Minneapolis, and Mark wrote uh, Mark wrote a book with Rob Pincus called Lessons from Unarmed America, and this this is crazy of craziness. One of the chapters is this guy. His name is Lee, and Lee. Um, Lee was Lee Michaels. Uh, he was robbed at gunpoint in his garage and, uh, he ended up, you know, getting out, uh, get like, they had a gun to his head for 20 bucks. And since then, obviously he became a proponent of carrying all the time. I used to hang out with, with Lee's wife in 1994. We were all in wow. a yeah, we were all in a clique of people. And after I had the writing shotgun idea, I reached out to his wife and I said, hey, I'm starting a new thing. I'm calling it writing shotgun with Charlie. I'm going to interview people and talk about gun stuff. I know something happened to your husband. I've got the book. Um, I'd like to interview him. And, and I, you know, I've got like um, a tackle box that I carry all my all my stuff in. And, and I was like, that's what I was like. I, I can take the show on the road. I don't have to stay where I'm at. So um, I talked to Lee and Lee's like, if you come, he's a radio guy. And he says, if you come up on this, uh, this particular weekend is going to be the Minnesota state fair and Mark Walters is going to be there and you can interview Mark Walters. I'm like, Oh, he's got a radio show. That's big time. Yeah. So I interviewed Mark. I did his radio show with him that night, which was a lot of fun. And he called me the next day and he's like, Hey, that was, that was really awesome. I want to help you with your show. And I'm like, I don't, I don't cool. even know what that means. 
Yeah. But I'm going to take it, right? <laughs> so I, uh, I, I talked to him three days later. He called me up and he's like, do you want to speak at the gun rights policy conference on the panel that use of people that use new media to promote gun rights? And I was like, yes, I do. I would love that. And then a month later, I was in Tampa speaking at, at GRPC. And that's where, you know, that's where you get to meet more people and do more networking. And, and if people find out about you and you find out about other people. And it's just, it's really taken off since, the, since then. I've, I've become really good friends with, with so many people in the gun community. Um, and one of them is Amanda Suffolk. And um, she does the concealed carry fashion shows for, for the uh, at the gun rights policy conference and then for the last three years i think at the nra annual meetings and um she does them at this this other event in uh called the rod of iron which is in pennsylvania and so she's like are you coming to this i said yeah i'm coming she's like all right do you want to be a model or do you want to MC?" and i'm like i want to MC. like i don't want to be a model i want to MC." <laughs> you see you should have you should have done the modeling oh geez i did it you should have done the model i i think you should have done the modeling just 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 the video of that alone would have gotten you millions of years. So there the, the one year that I did model was at uh, the Gun Rights Policy Conference in Dallas, which I think was two Chicago. It was Chicago, 2018. Um, I did do some modeling, and Vice News was there doing a story on the Concealed Carry Fashion Show. So I'm there. I've got on this, like, white like one of those white shirts with the holsters on it it's this skin tight thing you can almost see through it i've got a suit coat over it <laughs> so that was the one time that i did model <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, we've been going a little over an hour here mm. where can people find you so if you look for uh, look for writing shotgun with Charlie, I've got I've got a website that I put all my shows on. I've got the writing shotgun with Charlie on YouTube, so that's where you can find the videos as well. You can see the videos on GunStreamer, on Full Thirty, and on the Ops Lens app. And if you're a podcaster, you can find it on all your favorite podcast outlets on on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and iHeartRadio. And there's you know there's a ton of places that pick podcasts up and just steal yeah. them and hijack them and put them out there. So. Yeah, yeah. As soon as you upload to Apple Podcasts, I think it's like six steal it right off of Apple instantly. Oh yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I, I, I the 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 podcast software that I use sends it out to a bunch of people. So where where it goes from there, I have no idea. <laughs> now. Um, you also started writing, do some writing at Amazon too, didn't you? So yeah. So I met. Um, I met Freddie and in, in, uh, at Gun Rights Policy Conference in 2019, and I um, I won the Blogger of the Year that year, and and it was great because I ran around for for two days, and I'm like Blogger of the Year, didn't write a word. That's how I roll. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I ended up you know connecting with Freddie, and and what I wanted to try to do is I wanted to get sponsors to uh, to help me take the show on the road. Like I was, I was working on a Toastmaster thing and, and I'm like, you know, I, I, the, the pandemic was the greatest excuse because it gave me an excuse not to do that. But I really wanted to take the show on the road and I wanted to drive across the country and do, put out two shows a week and, you know, drive from New England all the way to Seattle, down to California and, you know, back across the Southern states and stuff. And so I was trying to, to put everything together and I wanted to find someplace else that I could uh, put the show out. So I ended up reaching out to Freddie Real at Ammo Land. And uh, I said, hey, I, you know, is this something that you guys could help me with? And he's like, yeah, we'll put the shows out. So I'm like, oh, cool. He says, but we need you to write at least 600 words for our SEO. 
And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so that's when I started to um, started to write write show descriptions and make them much more much more thorough. And came up with the uh, the favorite quotes and the the time stamping and the links for all that stuff. So uh, so I write I write there, and the, sh the shows come out on Ammo Land as well. Awesome. So to wrap up here, I'm going to do a speed round with you. All right. So speed round is real simple. Yeah, got it. Just got to make a choice. All right. Twelve gauge or twenty gauge? Uh, Twelve. Pistol or rifle? Pistol. Nine millimeter or forty-five? Uh, nine. And. For the hard question, if you had to choose the best all-round cartridge, regardless if it's rifle or pistol, what would it be? I'm gonna say I'm gonna say a 38 because I think you could use 38 in a lever action as well as in a yep. handgun. Which, if 38 over nine or 45, I would go with 38. <laughs> there you go. I, I carry a revolver, so uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the 38. You know, it's funny. You will be the first wheel gun concealed carry that I've had. Really, I show. all of the things we see with guns, with the jams and the misfeeds, and and I'm like, dude. So you squeeze the trigger, it goes bang. You squeeze the trigger, it goes bang. Like when a revolver goes click, it's time to reload. It's not tap, yeah. rack, rotate. It's not double feed. It's not stovepipe. And when it, when it goes quick, it, it's time to reload. Where's my speed loader? That's that's the right. only thing that's going through your mind. Exactly. Exactly. Awesome. Charlie, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, it, it was great having you on. It, definitely an honor because this is, this is you know, you there are pieces of your podcast that have been inspirational just to my podcast. So it's been really great having you on. I, I'm honored. Thank you so much. I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep doing what I do, and I, I'm going to. I hope you keep doing what you're doing as well, man. This has been great. Thank you. Absolutely. Charlie is an amazing guy. He is exactly the same person off camera as he is on. When you're talking to him, he makes you feel like you are the only thing in the world. All his attention is on you. And he's a great speaker. So if you ever see him live, I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. I have all the links down below to get in touch with Charlie. And absolutely subscribe to his show. You're going to have a good time. He's a great person. And that show, the people he gets on are amazing. I mean, you get to see people while he's driving. I mean, that's the really cool thing about his show is a lot of the show is, you know, he can't look at his guest because he's literally driving a car. And some of the reactions in the show are really cool because, you know, we talk about so much of our communication is not even verbal. You get to see some things that are really cool in that show because you get to see that nonverbal interaction. Subscribe to his show. You're not going to regret it. Thanks for listening. Hope you're staying safe out there. I look forward to talking to you again soon.